Good morning, familia. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Hannibal Rodriguez, um, and I want to welcome you all again uh, this morning. And today, I, I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever experienced anything that is so good, so powerful, so amazing that the only thing you can say is, this is way too good to be true? Have you ever experienced anything like that in your life? Show of hands. Yeah, this is collaboration, people. <laughs> have you ever experienced anything like that? Thank you. I have. And those moments have been such a such a special moments for me because uh, there's a, a before that event and an after event. Those those moments have really changed me in more than one way. And I got a list in my head of all those things that I have experienced, those moments that are so good that it almost seems too good to be true. I'll just give you two because I think that those are some of the most important ones for me. Like when I got married, for example, uh, I, I, I remember clearly seeing this 23-year-old girl coming toward me, and I'm thinking, this is way too good to be true. See, but the wedding got even more interesting. Interesting because as I'm looking at my soon-to-be wife, I could see her expression. And she's looking at me, and I know that she's thinking, all of that for me. <laughs> she never said that, but I wanted her to say that. But I know that deep down inside, she was saying the same thing. This is way too good to be true. See, I, I, I perform and I, and I officiate a lot of weddings in my life. I, and I think that for most people, at least at the beginning, at least for most people, that was their experience. That was a, a, su a supernatural time together, if you will. I've never seen a couple, as they're walking down the aisle, in which either her or him, they go like, I've never seen that. It's always special and beautiful. I could think of when I first saw my daughters for the first time. That will be one of those moments, right? And so the girls are coming out of, you know, from there. And, <laughs> and then they're full of stuff, right? But, but I remember, like, those moments, supernatural moments in which I'm thinking, is this real? Too good to be true. Now, the reason why I start with that. It's because I think that that's the best way to describe what the disciples experienced when they saw Jesus resurrected. This is way too good to be true. See, Jesus appears among them, and they thought that he was a ghost. And then he shows them his, his hands and the palms of his hands and the feet, right? And then uh, as, as he's showing it himself to them, chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verse 41 says this. That they did not believe it because of joy and amazement. Which is kind of a weird way to describe what these people are going through. Notice that on one end they say that they don't believe it. And at the same time they are experiencing this joy and amazement like never before. See, that verse ought to be translated, this was way too good to be true and yet it was. So what I want to do for the next two hours as we spend time together... Resurrection Sunday, I got extra time, you know. <laughs> I'm going to give you five reasons why is it that the disciples experienced that way too, this is too good to be true. Five reasons, which are the same reasons that if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you should experience. 
Reason number one, if Jesus resurrected, then that means that your debt was paid in full. Luke chapter 24, verse 36 says that while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. This is the first thing that Jesus says to the disciples. He didn't show up and say, hey, y'all, I'm here. He just said, peace be with you. Now, at that time and in that context, that was the typical way for you to greet one another. But all scholars agree that the reason why Jesus is using this expression of peace, shalom, is because he wants to remind them that he died and resurrected and that when he died, the Father accepted that offering or sacrifice as sufficient for the forgiveness of their sins. This is why Romans chapter 4, verse 25 says that Jesus was delivered for our sins and raised for our justification, paid in full. Meaning that if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are united to him, and whatever he did on the cross on your behalf and in your place is enough. God really forgave you in him, paid in full. Let me break that down for you just in case you didn't get it just yet. Because your debt has been paid in full, nothing, says the scripture, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Nothing. Can you say nothing? Because your debt was paid in full. That means that you don't need to earn your salvation. You don't need to work for your salvation. You don't need to do anything for your salvation. Just believe, repent, because Jesus already purchased your salvation, paid in full. If your debt was already paid in full, that means that there's really no condemnation for those who have placed their faith in Jesus. Your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins cannot separate you from the love of God and the approval of God in Jesus Christ because your debt was paid in full. Because your debt was paid in full, if you are a Christian, your shame, nor your shame, nor your guilt should control your life. The debt was already paid, paid in full. Don't you think that this is the reason why the resurrection is way too good to be true, and yet it is? Reason number two, if Jesus resurrected, then that means that your future is much better than whatever you had before. Luke chapter 24, verse 36 says, while they were still talking about this, about the death of Jesus, Jesus stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, part of the reason why I highlight the phrase, Jesus stood among them, it's because it shows us something about the glorified version of Jesus, the improved version of Jesus. There's something unique about the Jesus post-resurrection uh, resurrection compared to Jesus pre-resurrection. Notice that he didn't knock on the door. Notice that he didn't do anything. He just showed up. Apparently, this new Jesus, if you will, has abilities that he did not have before the resurrection in human form. Now, why say all of that? Because the Bible tells you that just as the body of Jesus was glorified or improved or looked different, the reality is that if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, our future version is going to be just as good. So listen, if you think that you're awesome, you have no idea how awesome you're going to be. 
And if you don't think that you're awesome, don't worry. One day you will be completely awesome. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 43, that you will be raised in glory. That gives me so much hope, people. Listen, I'm 46, and I feel that I'm already falling apart. I know that you can tell because that's the reason why I wear all this stuff. It just keeps it together. <laughs> See, a few, a few months ago, I decided to eat a little bit better. That means eating one less hamburger than the rest of the week. And I started to do a little bit more exercise, but this is what I discovered as I'm trying to get healthier. That now I have a new set of pains in parts of the body that I did not know existed. So it doesn't matter how much I try to improve myself. At the end of the day, I'm still trapped to this body that is in a decaying process. Happy Easter, people. <laughs> There's no way around it, you know. But the reason why we celebrate resurrection and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is because it reminds us that one day our bodies will be fully glorified. And not only our bodies will be fully glorified, but our inner beings will be fully glorified and transformed. Can you just picture the day in which you, you will no longer struggle with fear or anxiety or worry or sickness or shame or guilt or sin? I can't wait. That will be a glorious day. I don't know if it's only my experience, but sometimes being a human being is just exhausting. Because we live in a broken world with a broken body, waiting for a redeemer to come and to make all things new. It gets better, though, because not only the glorified version of ourselves is what we're supposed to expect, but the glorified version of the people we love and we have lost. See, if you have lost a loved one, probably the last thing you remember is how you saw them in their brokenness. One day, you're going to get to see them again. And their glorified version will be amazing. So whatever you remember is nothing compared to what is yet to come. See, the resurrection is so good that it almost feels like if it's not true, and yet it is. Much better things are yet to come. Number three, if the resurrection of Jesus was real, then that means that matter matters. Luke chapter 24, verse 39. Look at my hands, Jesus said, and my feet. It is I myself, which I'm completely sure that that's bad grammar, but it doesn't matter because it's Jesus speaking. I myself, touch me and see. And in verse 41, he says something completely awkward. Do you have a Lunchable? <laughs> Don't you find that weird? See, Jesus is trying to prove to them that he resurrected in bodily form, not just spirit, but body. And he wants to show them that this body can be touched and seen. And that's why he says, do you have something to eat? You know why that's important as Christians? Because it reminds us that Jesus resurrected not just to give us a future consolation, but Jesus resurrected to give us a future restoration. 
You know what that means? That everything that is beautiful here cannot be compared to the beautiful things that we're going to see in the future. Just picture for a second the best sunset you have ever seen. Just picture for a second the, the, the image of the Grand Canyon with all its power and beauty. Just picture for a second whatever you consider to be beautiful and perfect. And I'll hear this. What the Lord is going to bring is much hundred times, hundred million times better than that. We have you know, even a hard time imagining that, you know? Because we've never been there. I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago, our, the younger generation invented a term called FOMO. You remember that? Fear of missing out? So that's a way to say, well, i got to do everything in life, so I don't want to miss anything out. Did you know that if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the full restoration of all things, you won't be missing anything out? Probably you won't even remember the good things you had here. We will be like a kid with a new toy. For those of you that are parents, you buy a toy for your kid, and the kid enjoys it. And five seconds later, you give him another toy, and that toy is no longer appealing. That's exactly how it's going to be for us. As we experience the full glory of God and the restoration of all things. Don't you think that the resurrection is almost too good to be true? And yet it is. Reason number four, if Jesus resurrected, that means that everything else Jesus said must be true. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Jesus said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that it is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. This is Jesus trying to convince the disciples and says, do you remember how I told you that everything in the Old Testament spoke about me? You remember how I told you that I will die and resurrect? And the logic is super simple. If Jesus said that he would die and resurrect, and Jesus died and resurrected, then we must believe that everything else he said must be true. Because he resurrected. Everything he said about himself must be true. Everything he said about the Father must be true. Everything he said about the Holy Spirit must be true. Everything he says about the world must be true. Everything he says about you and me must be true. If the resurrection is a historical fact, and it is, then everything Jesus says was true and all his promises must be true. Let me give you three promises. There's a ton of them in the New Testament, but let me give you three promises Jesus says that are guaranteed by the resurrection. In John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says, Whoever comes to me, I will not drive you away. You know what that means? That you don't need to fix yourself. Just come to him, and he will welcome you in. That's a promise. In John chapter 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you tired? Come to him. And he guarantees rest. In Matthew chapter 28, he says, I will be with you until the end of ages, until the end of the world. You know what that means? 
that if he says that he's going to be with you, he will be with you. This is part of the reason why in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but I stay, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus there is talking about the Holy Spirit, meaning that what he promised in Matthew chapter 28, that he will be with us, is fulfilled in the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you know why that's a reality? Because Jesus resurrected. The resurrection is way too good to be true, and yet it is. The resurrection is the ultimate evidence that everything Jesus said was and is true forever. And number five. If Jesus resurrected, then that means that suffering has an expiration date. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 46. Jesus says, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And the Bible tells us that just as Jesus died and resurrected... All of us one day will die and be resurrected. And that when Jesus died and resurrected was the beginning of the gradual destruction of suffering. The beginning of the best is yet to come. This is why Paul in Romans chapter 8 says that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is yet to be revealed. And that, it, that, that just as much as this creation suffers and will be set free, we ourselves that suffer one day will be set free. You know how amazing it is to know that one day there will be no more suffering. No more pain. No more struggle. No more frustration. No more anything that is destructing us. That is destructive to us. Counselors, usually when they talk about, when they try to explain the reasons why we struggle and suffer, they give you four reasons, and they call this halt. They say that we suffer because, or we struggle because we're hungry, we are angry, we feel lonely, and we are tired. See, we suffer and we struggle where we are hungry both physically and spiritually. We struggle when we are angry both physically and spiritually or emotionally. We struggle when we are lonely and we feel lonely both physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And we struggle when we are tired both physically or emotionally or spiritually. But the resurrected Jesus says... To the hungry, peace be with you. One day, you will be fully satisfied. To the angry, Jesus says, peace be with you. One day, I'm going to make all things new. To the lonely, he says, peace be with you. One day, you will stop feeling lonely. I am with you until the end of ages. And to the tired... He says, peace be with you. Don't lose hope. Suffering one day will cease to exist. Which one are you? Let me tell you which one I am. All of those four. 
But not today. Because Jesus resurrected. And the resurrection is way too good to be true. And yet it is. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, there is a reality that we all struggle as hungry people, as angry people, as lonely people, and as tired people. Lord, and part of the reason why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ today is because we need to remember and we need to believe that when Jesus resurrected, he made everything new and that he's making everything new. I pray, Lord, for those of us that come to you today, hungry, hungry or angry or tired or lonely, can you please give us this picture, this image, this reality of Jesus resurrected so we embrace everything that Jesus earned. Lord, we believe. Could you please help us believe even more? And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus, and we all say...